Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, coming to you from what looks like a good sunny day here in central Pennsylvania. Joined, as always, by fellow co-host on the left side of the state, good old Pittsburgh, good old best friend of the show here, awesome leader of the show here, Chris Martin. How are we doing today, sir? Hey, John. We need to talk more often because you always make me feel so good when we talk. <laughs> like, you pump me up, and I just feel like I can go and t- conquer the world. So thank you for that every single time. I love it. I feel like I, I could it. do better, but I'm coming with a little sickness. Normally, I, I really hype you up, but this time is just kind of... I'll take what I can get, you know, All right. I, and, and I know you, I know you're getting better. You're on the men. So I like it, but welcome everybody to the building PA podcast. As John said, we are the talking about a bunch of stuff in construction. I'm in Pittsburgh and I am with Atlas marketing and you can check us out at atlasstories.com. And today we actually have some very good friends of mine that um, are, don't tell anyone, John, these guys aren't in Pennsylvania. We're branching out. We got our friends all the way from Dallas and Houston. And calling in from Dallas, we have Mackenzie Carolyn, who is the VP of Business Development for Lindbeck, and a good friend of mine as well, Todd Zedunkowitz, who is a senior project manager with Lindbeck. And I'm so proud. I've known Todd for about five years, and I finally learned how to say his last name. So when you see it, Mike drop in the show right there. Just exactly yeah, perfectly. <laughs> there you go. Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having Happy us. To be We're here. Super excited yeah. to be here. How's life in Texas? What's going on down there? It's gloomy. It's gloomy, rainy, and gross today in Dallas. So not wonderful. It's a little muggy over here, but not too bad. But Houston's Houston. It doesn't have near the weather conditions as Dallas have, which have all the seasons. We just have two cold and hot. Talking to two guys from Pennsylvania that like you deal with it, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. and I know you guys do too. So, but, yeah, it could um, be snowing in March, or you never know. Anything yeah. appears. <laughs> it's great. That's why we love it. But on the Building PA podcast today, we are talking about something that that I know John and I've talked about a lot, and a lot of our clients talk about it as well, and trying to implement it, which is that stellar doer model of business development, and it is a hot topic in construction. So. You guys, how do you want to conquer this? Mac, why don't you think us through this? What is the seller doer model? And then Todd, I'll ask you to talk about Lindbeck as a whole so everybody in Pennsylvania knows about Lindbeck. How's that? Sounds great. So I think you have to take it down to a really simple, basic level and define what is the definition of seller doer. And I think it's the same across just about every construction company. You're building relationships, you're building business, and you're trying to build buildings, your projects. Um, if people can't get on the same page of what a seller doer is, and you don't agree with that, then it's going to cause issues and more challenges within the organization. So the whole company has to understand this fundamental principle that business development is about building people, relationships, and projects. Simple. We like to keep it simple. That is good. And- Tell all these northerners up here, what's Lindbeck and what do you guys do? So actually, we are celebrating our 85th anniversary this year. 
Thank you. We are currently a third generation company, family company that is, and started off in Houston and eventually grew into the DFW area. And more recently have grown this business into central Texas. And our focus, I'd say, is anywhere or mostly healthcare and education, but also on the cultural side of things with museum and performance halls. Mm -hmm. So we tend to really go after or build those high profile projects, but also make sure that part of our service is building for community. So that's certainly a high focus of ours. Nice. So when I think of seller doer model, and this is just my, my vision here, I think of like the small to like mid-sized general contractor, the, the owner that has a hat and everything. They handle payroll. They overlook estimates. They overlook business development. They overlook everything. And they kind of touch everything. That's what I think of when Chris said, oh, we're going to do an episode on seller doer. I thought something like that. But that's not really the Lindbeck model. That's not really the Lindbeck type of company. <laughs> so I would say that Lindbeck is a mid-sized general contractor. Having come from working for Hensel Phelps, Gilbane, Tudor Perini in the past, I think Lindbeck does about $500 million a year in revenue. So we're a large mid-sized GC. But even companies, large GCs that do $5 billion a year have seller-doer models. I've been working in the seller-doer model since 2010. And so it's been implemented across all different kinds of companies. The one you named is true also. It works with small firms and it can also work with, with very large firms. So it really depends. I think it can be implemented across all size of companies and all seller doer is you're the builder and you can build the project, but you can also get the work and build the relationship and trust with the client to bring in the project. That's Essentially, what being a good seller doer is, is you do a good enough job to build trust with a client or a new, even a new client and guide them to help win yourself a project. I, that goes back to what you said earlier, keeping it simple. Like that, that mm -hmm. is a really simple definition. I think everybody get their head around it. Yeah. But, but so it's interesting that we have a senior PM and then we have the vice president of business development talking to us today. And Mackenzie, just on that, definition that you just gave, it kind of seems like there's might be a, a, a little bit of a challenge in the business development side, allowing someone like Todd, who's very open and can talk and do those things. Is that a force that kind of pushes against each other? So I will say that the seller doer model is a mindset adjustment when it's introduced to a new organization. It is basically saying, hey, guys, I know you're so focused on the job. Every day you wake up and the first thing you think about is, what do I need to do on my job site? What do I need to do to get this project finished and done on time and on budget? I wake up every morning saying, how are we going to hit, hit our sales goal this year? How are we going to win this project? What are we going to do to be, differentiate ourselves? And so working with the job site teams, you have to recognize as a salesperson that they don't wake up thinking and feeling the same way you do about projects, about sales and selling projects. So to that, you have to really train your people. And I try to do at least, I don't know, three to four. A training a quarter is what I aim for. It usually ends up being about three a year. Close enough. Yeah. I try to do quarterly trainings because if you train your people and explain to them the model and what success looks like, it starts transitioning their mindset to wake up and say, I need to build this project, but I should also talk to my owner about what he has coming up next. Because the easiest way to win work is to win more work with a current client, right? 
And so right. that's really what we focus on. And so once McKinsey helps develop our people and get them comfortable enough to be able to take that next step, it doesn't just drop off then. So we, of course, correspond with McKinsey, making sure we're still abiding by our guidelines and our processes. We can't all be wandering off like, you know, tasks. We have to be unified in our message, right? So we just don't operate in our silo. We always get feedback. We're balancing things off each other. Hey, is this a good choice? Do you know this person? So it's constant exchange. And as far as trading, is it up and down the whole company from executive down to entry level, just so everyone's on the same page? And Yep. So we do like an annual sales meeting every year. And in that annual sales meeting, any people who've started with Lindbeck over the past couple of years get invited to the training, whether you're an engineer and or an intern up to our client executives and, and even our CEO attends every year. And so this is a way to get engagement from the t top to the bottom and bottom to the top so that the culture can start being embraced. Because for the new people, and this is what I always tell our engineers and assistant project managers, you guys are building relationships with other people that are in similar roles. So if you're a brand new engineer and you're making friends with a brand new, you know, architect on a pro on a job site, you guys are going to grow in your careers together. And if you build a relationship in 10 years, you're going to be the leaders of your organizations. And it's through building trust and relationships at AKA the seller doer model that you bring in this work. But the seller-doer model, as it relates to your business and, and your company, is more of a culture, cultural component than it is really a business development or project management component. Am I hearing you right? Yeah, it's our culture. That's interesting. And, and Todd, let me ask you this. From your perspective as a project manager, and I know, I know some of the projects, we've talked about this on some of the projects that you've worked on, that they're not just building a shed in the backyard. You know, they're... <laughs> Big, big, a lot of healthcare stuff. So <laughs> I, my question to you is, how do you manage that aspect of managing a project, yet cultivating your relationship to look for the thing, the, the next, you know, what's next? How do you do sure. that? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that response also evolves over time. Myself, I've tried to find a way to incorporate what I do on a day-to-day -day basis since my, my priority is operations. It's delivering that project the way that owner needs it and sees it or else the selling aspect disappears. It seems to not exist or else, I mean, you're not going to get the next job with that client. But what I try to do is I try to incorporate basically our goals, our conversations around building trust. If I can build trust with a client, they are more willing to be open and to have just general conversations because that's really how this stuff creates more business or better relationships. And it's always not about more business. It's more so creating that relationship and trust that could equate to more business. Just to explain a little bit about Lindbeck is we do a lot of CM at risk work, a lot of design build, a lot of integrated project delivery. We don't hard bid projects. So our business model that we follow is extremely relationship driven. And that was my point to what Todd's speaking. You know, the biggest thing in i kind of talked about this before I and mean, before we got on this podcast is uh, you want your people to want to work with the client, to want to help the client. And that goes beyond just building a project. It goes to if they need help at their garden, if they need help creating a presentation 
so that they get the spotlight. It's so much further than what we think of as just earning more work. It's truly having your people want to help others. And if you can develop that type of understanding across your business, that seller doer mentality is going to come natural and it's going to be portrayed that way too to your clients instead of what sometimes people think of as sales is like sell, sell, sell. No, it's generally building a relationship, making those people want to spend every day with you. Because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, we have our families, we have our hobbies. And so not everybody's thinking about what do I want to do outside of work other than those things. And you want to kind of change that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So the Todd's of the company, the PMs, all the way down to the interns, they turn the Mac for this annual training, this annual education culture. There's an annual training, and then I do like three others throughout the year in different regions, locations. I go to large job sites, and I'll do the trainings a few times a year, trying to emphasize whether it's a different skill or a presentation skills training or basics of business development or seller-doer overview, trying to make sure you keep educating your people because there's always more to learn, and there's always a way to stay in front of your folks. And if you stay in front of them, they're eventually going to pick it up and start hopefully utilizing the skills that they've yeah. been taught. I'm glad you said that about the the job sites. I was going to ask about that. Like they turn to you for education, but then do you turn to the job site to get the hands-on operation knowledge? And so it's give and take, you know, you guys educate each other for this seller-doer model. So I go visit at least one job site a month and also do a training. And that's something that I've started doing about two years ago when COVID was in full swing and I wasn't able to really get to see our people a whole lot. And we've kept that up. And I think it's a great way also for me to interact with our people and see how they're doing, stay in touch with our folks, our teams. So, yeah. So if, if there is somebody out there that's listening to this and is going, you know what? I really, really like this approach. What are some challenges that you have seen that would be almost in the implementation phase of this seller-doer approach? What are some of those that you could, you could share with our listeners? I think that in the seller-doer approach, there are folks that are introverted. They want to go to work. They work. They are true builders, right? And this is a challenge we I've experienced at Lindbeck and everywhere else I've worked. You have folks that are not interested in building relationships. They want to do their job, go home. They don't want to do anything outside of building their project. And you have to rank your people. As a sales professional, if you're in business development and you're trying to work with someone who's just not engaged, eventually you have to just cut the losses and say, okay, here's our group of A's who are excellent seller doers. They understand how to sell and they're excellent builders. Here's our B's where they're good builders. They have a little bit of skill with regard to sales and being able to build relationships with clients. And then we have our folks that show up and we've tried to get them to engage for three years. They're not engaging I don't even try to focus on those. I focus on the bees, those folks that have room for improvement. But I would say that's a huge challenge when you have a lot of folks who don't feel the need to bring in work because if we don't have any sales, we don't attain a profit, we don't get margin, and eventually we're going to go out of business and we won't have a company. So everybody sells in some form or fashion, right? It might not be going and knocking on a client's door and asking for cold call for a meeting, but whether it's talking to the architect that you're building a relationship with or the engineer on site or the subcontractor who you've been talking to for six months, that's how you start doing seller-doer. Right. And to kind of add on to that, a seller-doer could be, you know, operating at a, a, a grade C level on one job. 
because maybe personalities, the job and the client aren't totally aligned. They don't see eye to eye or maybe those personalities just don't mix well, but you never know on the next project, you could find a client that's, you know, purely operations-based, technical. And so they want to talk to somebody who's just as technical and you have that superintendent who's typically not a seller doer. Well, they may love each other. I should say boomerang back and check up on those people, making sure that there's room for improvement or they're also getting the opportunity to try it again, if that makes sense. New entries embrace this culture. The new new hires and interns and the, I'm just guessing, I would think that something they would like, like they're part of the team and helping it on. I will say that some love it right away. Some are so overwhelmed that I have to do some breakout sessions and spend one-on-one time with them because it is something that if you've grown up and you're an engineer and you've never really learned the you know soft skills side of business, it's overwhelming, especially kids coming out of college today. And so you have all different types. Some take quickly, some need a little bit more coaching. I actually have a meeting tomorrow with one of our interns in estimating, and he and I are sitting down to review the seller-doer presentation that I gave earlier this month, and he's going to give me feedback on terms he didn't quite know, things to create a cheat sheet so that I could hand that out to the new hires when they are brought on board so they can kind of understand some of the lingo. Like, not everyone knows RFP, RFQ, CMAR, IPD, stuff like that. That's good that you're seeing that and using that as a way to build up of that. So let me ask you this question then too, for both of you, Mackenzie and Todd, what do you feel are the tools that are necessary for success in this business model? I think it's critical to one, make sure that this is aligned with your company's guiding principles, values, mission, because that's really the foundation of this all. Uh, part of our mission is we're a, com- we're a company of owners. So your mentality should be like you own this company as well and treat everything you do in that aspect. So that kind of lays the foundation and keeps you on the right track. But you also have to give your people enough leash to be able to form their own way of being themselves and adapting to that seller-doer model. And when somebody maybe doesn't do it the way that you expected or maybe they failed the first pass, You've got to come back around and continue to coach them, give them opportunity instead of there being a mm, not going to happen again. You got to keep on going. You got to give it a second try because if we always stopped after our first mistake, well, we wouldn't be getting anywhere. And also having good leaders that help develop those people. Mackenzie can do it all. It would be great if she could, but it's just not practical. So we've got to have good leaders who can help mentor others. Um, and ultimately keep us all aligned. So I'd say those are crucial. It's just the responsibility aspect, giving a little leash, letting others learn how, how it feels natural to them because everybody has their own way. I agree with what you said, Todd. I think for me, it's the top three things are giving them the resources and the tools to be successful, right? So that's access to me, access to senior PMs like Todd, who are good seller doers, who can guide them. And then making sure that I provide time when I can to meet with them. And also developing documents, processes, tools to help them set them up for success. Also giving them time. Make sure that they're not so consumed on a job site. You know, if we're in a push phase on a project and they need to be on the site 12 hours a day or whatever it is, they're not going to have the availability, time, or energy mentally to handle the sales side of seller-doer. So it's giving them the time. 
And then also, finally, the third thing I would say is giving them the opportunity. You have to give them an opportunity. So getting those young folks or newer people involved on a proposal or RFQ presentation and starting to loop them in slowly so they can start seeing the sales side of a seller doer is really helpful because then they start learning slowly along the way what it's like and how to participate. I'm so that's that's good. Great it. advice. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Great advice. I love it. I love it. Yeah. We're in. We're in. We're, in. We're gonna you know what? John, let's go down. We're gonna go to Dallas. We're gonna go through sit through one of McKenzie's training. We'll do an episode from there. How's that? There hey. you go. Perfect. I have a student training coming up in June. <laughs> we can come down. We'll make that work. Thank you. Nice. I have to say, Todd, McKen, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a lot of great information. I don't like to put words in John's mouth, even though a lot of the times I step over him. But I can say, I think this is a really great topic and one that I think can help a lot of people in the industry. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you guys inviting us. And yeah, it's been great. Thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.